Our scripture reading today is going to come from Romans 1, 18 through 23. That's page 1116 in the Pew Bible. I'll give you just a moment to get there. It's page 1116, Romans 1, 18 through 23. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his Invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Romans chapter 1. It's a good day anytime we help new believers be obedient to the Lord and baptize them. That's a good day. Um, we're going to eat today and that makes it a better day. Starting next week, um, as Morgan told you, we're starting an Advent, our Advent season. He'll be preaching out of Luke's Gospel, so if you want to uh, prepare for that. Look at the first couple chapters of Luke, he'll be introducing the foretelling of John the Baptist's birth next week. We're going to be, my family, we're leaving today, this afternoon, going to Georgia annual trip down there to see the in-laws and spend Thanksgiving there. We'll be back next Sunday night, but we're going to be here in the office if you need anything. Romans chapter 1, looking at verses 18 through 23, looking at the characteristics of the unrighteous, and they are unbelief and ungratefulness. So Paul has been traveling three different mission trips, three missionary journeys where he started new churches. And on this last journey, the third one, he was taking up an offering along the way that he wanted to take to Jerusalem for the poor there. He had no other place to go to start new churches, so he wanted to go to Rome on his way to Spain. He had never been to Rome, but some of his, maybe some believers at were in different cities, had moved to Rome that he had helped convert, and so there was a church there. And several purposes for him writing this letter. Firstly, he wanted to introduce himself to the church there because he had never been there. They didn't know who he was. Secondly, he wanted to solicit support for his journey to Spain. He wanted them to help him go to Spain and, and share the gospel there. Thirdly, he wanted to kind of clear up some misunderstandings of the gospel and then lastly, he wanted to help promote unity because there was there in Rome, the church was made up partly of Jew and partly of Gentile. And so he wanted to help them be unified there. And so in the first part of the chapter, verses 1 through 17, Paul introduced himself and he introduces the gospel. And Paul is thankful for this church. He's thankful for their faith and he wants to come so they could be mutually encouraged. I look forward to seeing you. We can be mutually encouraged 
And he wants to share the gospel there because the gospel is the power of God. It's how people are saved. So wherever he goes, he wants to share the gospel. And in the gospel, we see a righteousness that is by faith. In the gospel, we see a righteousness that is by faith. And that is, you could say, the theme of the letter to the church in Rome. But just as the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel, so is the wrath of God revealed. Look at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Now Paul is referring to the ungodly and the unrighteous, and, and that's the Gentiles. Any Gentiles in the house? Yeah, I would say most of us, if probably all of us, are Gentiles. And you, you might imagine, well, if the Gentiles, there's some disunity in the church, you know, Gentile and Jew, you know, not really getting along. You, could, you can kind of understand how the Jew would be going, yeah, get them, Paul. But what's going to happen in chapter 3 is Paul's going to come after the Jews, and he's really going to lump them all together. Then you're all godless. We're all sinners. But for, verse 18 tells us they are ungodly and unrighteous because they suppress the truth. What does that mean? Look at verses 19 and 20. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. See, they know that there is a God because of what has been created. It's plain to them, Paul says. God has shown it to them. God manifests Himself to man in millions of ways. And he does that every day. Think about it. The seed becomes a mighty tree. Birds, think about the birds. They migrate to and fro. The marten travels every year to South America and back again. How do they know where to go and how to go and when to come back? Think about the insects. Stink bugs. Anybody a big fan of stink bugs? Yeah, we've got this epidemic at our house. The stink bugs are everywhere. People call them pumpkin bugs. No, they're, they're stink bugs. They're nasty, right? Sick of those things. But there are 10 million species of insects in the world. 10 million that we know of. Think about the earth. 25,000 miles in circumference. Weighs 6 septillion, 588 sextillion tons. I don't, I don't know how you weigh the earth, you know. I'm not doubting these rascals. But it's heavy, all right? It's heavy. It spins at 1,000 miles per hour with absolute precision. And it careens through space around the sun at a speed of about 1,000 miles per minute. In an orbit that's about 580 billion miles long. Pretty amazing, huh? God's doing all this. He's done all this and is doing all this to prove to man that he exists and that he is worthy of our worship. Do you worship the Lord? He's worthy of our worship. No wonder the Bible declares, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. 
There's simply no place on the face of the planet where man can escape the witness of creation. Paul says, no man has an excuse. And that goes for those who hear the gospel often, like possibly us, right? As well as those who have never heard it. Think about the man on the island. Grows up on the island, no other contact with anybody, doesn't have the scriptures. But yet that man knows that God exists. God has made it clear to even him. So the supposed atheist who says there's no God or the agnostic who says I'm not really sure, both are culpable. Everyone knows that God created the world. But Paul says that they don't want to acknowledge it. They suppress the truth. Every sunset, I love sunsets. I love sunsets. And I make my kids, come on, come over here and look, right? I make them look and we take pictures. I love sunsets and we have beautiful sunsets at our house. So every time they see a sunset, every time they hold their newborn baby, or they see a beautiful waterfall, or maybe they whiff of honeysuckle, it's screaming. All these things are screaming that God exists and is ruling over his creation. As a young girl, Helen Keller was stricken by disease that left her blind, deaf, and mute. And she had a caretaker by the name of Ann Sullivan who worked tirelessly to help her learn to communicate. So eventually, she learned, Helen learned to communicate through touch. And when Ann Sullivan tried to tell her about God, the girl's response was that she already knew about him. She just didn't know his name. Isn't that something? Even someone who is blind and deaf and mute knows that there is a creator so we see these characteristics of a unrighteous person firstly is that they they don't believe right they suppress the truth that's our first point today they don't honor god it's like the tower of babel all over again they don't want god to be glorified they covet the glory and honor that God deserves. They want it for themselves. They don't say, God has been really gracious to me. He has really helped me with this, by giving me this great job or this great family or this great house or this great whatever. What does the unbeliever say? They say, look, look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. So the unrighteous doesn't take delight in God, nor do they worship Him, because in their opinion... He hasn't helped them much at all. Everything good in their life came from them. And because of this unbelief and suppressing the truth, God pours out his wrath upon them. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against such persons. And sometimes we think of God's wrath, we think about end times, right? Jesus comes back. We think about Sodom and Gomorrah. We think about Lot's wife being turned to a pillar of salt. We think about maybe the fiery serpents in Numbers 21 that came out and bit the rebellious Israelites, right? Because they were grumbling against the Lord. We might think of that as being the wrath. 
And think about when Jesus comes back and there's the great white throne room judgment. There is going to be wrath poured out, right? But God is already revealing a taste of his wrath even now. You might ask, well, how is that happening? You might ask, is he making it so that people who rebel against him always have bad things happen to them? Actually, no. Paul's answer is that God's wrath is presently revealed as God gives people over to their sin. And if you go on and read the, the rest of the chapter in verses 24, 26, 28, and 32, we see God giving them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to dishonoring their bodies among themselves, right? Because they exchange the truth about God for a lie, and they don't worship God. So God gives them up. He lets them do what they want to do. So you might, you might say something like this. You know, those at the, the gay pride rally, they're snubbing their nose at the Creator. They're showing not that they're getting it over on God, but that is actually the wrath of God being poured out on them because He's giving them over and allowing them to participate in such things. He's allowing them to wallow in it and live in it. Or someone who's living with someone who's not their spouse. They're not escaping God's wrath, but God is giving them over to wallow in their sin. That's them experiencing the wrath of God. See, think about it. It would be gracious of God to reveal their sin to them, bring them under conviction, helping them, motivating them to turn from their sin. But what God is doing is actually showing his wrath by giving them over and allowing them to indulge themselves in their sin. They can't repent. They can't resist sin because they're bearing the wrath of God. So one characteristic of, a, of an unrighteous person is that they don't believe. They suppress the truth that God exists. Second characteristic of an unrighteous person is ungratefulness. Ungratefulness. Look at verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. So think about it. Unrighteous person suppresses the truth, doesn't want to yield to the Lord, doesn't give God credit for all that, the good that they have. But also they're not grateful to God for what God has given them. Jeremiah Burroughs, he wrote, Worship is not only doing what pleases God, but also being pleased with what God does. Are you pleased with what God has done in your life? Are you pleased with what God has done in your life? Those that are wallowing in sin, right, in rebellion against the Lord, they're intrinsically ungrateful to the Lord. In fact, mankind, apart from God's grace, is ungrateful. People in general have a sense of entitlement. In fact, they think that God owes them everything that they're given. 
a thankless person, really, if you think about it, is the most most important person in the world. And nothing's been given to them. It's all been earned. So nothing we have is a gift. Think about it. Thanklessness and pride go hand in hand. James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 3, in the last days, thanklessness will be common. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. Yeah. First Corinthians chapter 4. The church in Corinth had a lot of difficulties, a lot of problems. Ingratitude was at the heart of their problems. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If you th- then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? The parable in Luke chapter 17, or the story actually of Jesus, actually he actually healed 10 lepers. And leprosy was an incurable disease. It was terrible because it was not curable. And then what happened is you had to be set apart. Because it was contagious, you had to be removed from society. I don't know about you, I'm a very affectionate person. I like to touch, hug, hold hands, you know, that kind of thing. A leper couldn't do that. So they're put out, away from people. It's terrible. But Jesus healed ten of those lepers. Luke chapter 17 but only one came back to give thanks. Why do you think that was? Why didn't the other nine? I mean, their life has been changed. They're a leper, and now they're not. Why did they come back? Why didn't they give thanks? Undoubtedly, they felt Jesus owed it to them. But the correct response to God for all that he does for us is gratitude. Psalm 50, 23. The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. So the one who offers thanksgiving as a sacrifice glorifies me. And that's what we want to do, isn't it? We want to glorify the Lord. Let me think about all the things we have and where they came from and how we attained them. God has created all things. What we have is given to us by the Lord. He tells us that in Acts 17, 24 and 25. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he saved by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Got a good job. Got a scholarship, got a raise, got a nice house, have a vehicle that gets you to and fro. Who 
Everything we have is given to us. And think about it. Um, think about our um, our attitude. Sometimes we um, we're not grateful because we just don't recognize or realize the plight we're in. I mean, think about what we deserve as human beings. You know, superficial level, we're looking around and say, I see a lot of good people. Really kind, generous, benevolent folks who would help somebody. Going down the side of the road, somebody's broke down, you'd stop and help them. You know, good people, you know, if we compare ourselves to our neighbor. But really, what do we deserve? The Bible tells us that everything above hell is a privilege. We deserve God's wrath and his condemnation. We deserve hell. And so when we read these New Testament verses, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, it's been read already today. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Well, how do we give thanks in all circumstances? Again, going back to understanding our plight, who we really are, and what we really deserve in life. We deserve God's worst. We're told in the Psalms, Psalm 136, verse 1, Give thanks to the Lord for His good, His steadfast love endures forever. Now think about this. We, we don't always have good times. Life isn't always easy. We have difficulties. I mean, we go through... We have to endure difficulties because of living in a sin-filled world. And we have to... Sometimes we have to mourn, don't we? We've been mourning the last month, haven't we, as a church? We have to lament. There's times of loss. There's times of grief. But none of the difficulties we go through, even losing a spouse or losing a loved one, losing all we have, none of those difficulties in life can supplant the enormity of what God has done for us in Christ. And for that, we should always be thankful. It's a volitional act. You know what volitional means? It's something we choose to do. It's our will. It's like love. You know, it's not just emotion. Oh, I just feel lovingly today. No. We don't always feel lovingly today. What do we do? We love. Our brother's married or has been married, right? We understand that. No, it's something you choose to do. You're either going to love or you're not. You don't feel lovingly towards this person. Being grateful is the same. It's a volitional act. It's something we choose to do. Things aren't going real well. I'm suffering. I'm struggling. I'm whatever. But yet we're told in the Old Testament, in the Psalms, New Testament, over and over again, to be thankful to the Lord in all circumstances. Are you a thankful person? If you, um, if you ask your roommates, your classmates, or your coworkers, to characterize you. How would you describe me? Would they say that you're a grateful person?
Scripture says His wrath, God's wrath is revealed against those who have not yielded to Christ, those who suppress the truth. They neglect to honor God who has given them all good things, and they also neglect to give thanks to the Lord. So God pours out His wrath upon those people. An unbeliever is characterized by ungrateful hearts, but a believer... A believer, we're characterized, should be characterized by observable gratitude because everything we have is a gift. So let's be thankful. So what are you thankful for? Give you an opportunity to, to share something you're thankful for. Just speak up so we can hear you. Somebody thankful? Now, I just said... Ungratefulness is a characteristic of the godless who's going to suffer the wrath of God. And y'all just sit there like, hmm. I thought y'all be just chomping at the bit to be thankful. Hunter, what do you think? Tell me one thing. Kick it off, buddy. What are you thankful for? Yeah. You had a birthday. That's right. I'm alive. Yeah. We don't deserve that. What are you thankful for? Claire Beth, what are you thankful for? Yeah, church family. Yeah, I'm thankful for my church family. I love church. I love being at church. Amen. I love being here. I don't want to miss. I got to miss next week. But I'll be back the next week, right? Yeah, I don't want to miss. My kids don't want to miss either. Like, we're going to be gone Sunday too. Can we come back early? I don't want to miss church. Isn't that great? Yeah, I love my church. I'm thankful for my church. Someone else. Now, I'll start just calling folks out. No, I'm not joking. Do what? Yeah, I mean, it's been in the hospital. It's like, man, a week-long stay, and he's still not quite where he needs to be, but we're thankful he's been able to be home. Yeah, what are you thankful for? Yeah, we can grieve with hope. We have some people who's, who's had a lot of loss, but we don't, we don't have to grieve as one who has no hope, right? Yeah, thank for the hope that we have. Salvation. Yeah, great. Yeah, thank for Cheryl. Good. Somebody else? Sam? Yeah, thank for we have his word. Yeah. Yeah, we have two or three or four of them. We have it on our phone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Somebody else? Yeah, just grace every day. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, small group. Yeah, thank for that. Dan, did you say something? Holy Spirit, okay. Good. Somebody else? Yeah, forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Thankful you're feeling better too this week, Miss Jane. Yeah. Thank for good doctors, medical care. We live in a credible country, the most credible place on the planet. 
Yeah, so thankful for their freedoms, for their technology, medical care, convenience of life. Anybody else? Mm, yeah, family. Yep. Yeah, family's here. Yeah, thank for family being here today. Yeah, we go on and on and on, can't we? Maybe, maybe as we're, we're sharing these things, and everybody should have something to be thankful for, but maybe, maybe you're ones who are, you're really not, you, you, your heart, you just don't have a thankful heart. And maybe it's because you're like this Gentile person that's, described here in Romans chapter 1. Maybe you're thinking that everything you have is because of your hard work. You deserve it. Maybe you're never come to a place where you realize that you're a sinner and deserving of God's wrath. Maybe you've never fully understood the, the beauty of the incarnation and the crucifixion and the resurrection. I'll say this t- today, if you've never acknowledged your sin, you've never repented, like these two that we baptized, you never turned from your living your life this way, Right? and trusted the work Christ did for you on the cross. I want to encourage you to do that today. Jesus preached, the apostles preached, and their message is this, repent and believe. Amen. Maybe you're not real grateful because you're, you're not born again. You've never acknowledged your sin. You've never seen it the way God sees it. And you've never repented and turned from living for yourself. I want to encourage you that to repent. God is a merciful and gracious God. But He's a wrathful and He's a just God. And He pours out His wrath upon the sinner. Don't miss out on the opportunity to experience his grace today and if you've got a question about that you're not real sure if you know the lord or not maybe you're a person that's not very grateful and you recognize that today like maybe it's i'm not real grateful because i'm i'm lost i'm i'm not a christian you'd like to talk more about that i'd love to talk to you there's a lot of people here in this room that'd love to have that conversation with you it's been a good day we had a good small group got to sing truth and see the children sing that's always sweet isn't it we got to baptize two new believers and we're about to go eat something to be thankful for so what I'm going to do I'm going to give thanks for the food we got some folks over there getting it ready for us so we'll go over and line up what I want to ask you to do is let the if we've got guests here we got several and you're like man we're not going to stay to eat look we say this all the time you got to eat you might as well eat with us because whatever you get here is going to be better than what you get and wherever you're going. Okay? 
It's kind of like Thanksgiving today. So come and eat. Stay with us. Give us an opportunity to get to know you a little better. I know some of you have other obligations, but we'd love for you to stay and eat with us and, and us get time just to uh, introduce ourselves and get to know you. But I want to ask you to stand. I'm going to give thanks for the food. And then we're going to go over. Let the visitors go first and our, and our, our grown folks. Yeah, senior adults. I don't know. Hey, if you're an older folk, you get in line first. If you don't want to be old, well, get in the back of the line, okay? If you ain't old yet, you get to be last. But if you think I'm getting kind of old, jump to the front of the line, okay? Hey, if you couldn't read, um, Charles printed out uh, Chase's testimony, and I said, buddy, that 12 font, that was years ago. I'm not a 12 font dude. I done moved to 14, 16 font. Um, if you're a 14, 16 fonter, then you get in a line you get in the front of the line and eat, okay? And uh, go through one time and make sure we got plenty. We have plenty for everybody. Just make sure we uh, everybody gets a little something. You can go back. There'll be plenty to eat. But I'm really uh, thankful. I'm going to give thanks for the food, and we're going to sing a, a benediction. It's a doxology. Rodney's going to help us uh, sing that. Uh, it's a doxology, and we'll we'll be singing that in the in the future as well. But let's give thanks, Father. We are thankful. Uh, I mean, so many things have been mentioned today. We're thankful for your word and. Lord, we can study it. We're thankful that you've um, opened our eyes. So many in this room have testimonies of how you opened our eyes and we we're able to see our sin the way you see it. And we've hated it and we've um, been able to repent uh, by your grace and mercy and you've granted us faith to trust Jesus. And we're just thankful for all the testimonies represented here. And we recognize, Lord, that there's some maybe who have yet to repent and we ask that you would Father, use the sweet gospel message. It is, it is your power. It's how you save people and use that message in the hearts of sinners today. And Father, may those that are here that have yet to repent, Father, may you just allow that sweet gospel message to ring loud in their ears. Father, even as they lay down tonight in the quietness of the night and the stillness and darkness of the room. May you allow the, the gospel message of, of how Jesus came to die for sinners, how he lived a perfect life. He died a terrible death. He was buried on the third day. He rose so that sinners, rebellious people, could be reconciled to you. Amen. Father, may you allow that message to ring loud in their ears and may you use it to bring about salvation in the hearts of sinners today. Father, we're thankful for the food, and we recognize all over the world there are hungry people, and we're so blessed here. Father, we're thankful for the food, thankful for our, our, the folks in church that's prepared it, spent time and money and effort, and we're going to eat good food today. We're just thankful for it. May we eat today and be thankful for all that you've given us. And Father, we ask that you would help us just to be a grateful people this week as we as we go to work, to earn money, as we go visit, see family, as we travel. Father, just help us to have thankful hearts. Help us be in the habit daily of giving thanks with our children, reminding them of your goodness. Father, for those that are grieving and they're going to have a, a, a holiday without their spouse, Father, may you give them extra grace. Pour out your spirit upon them and bring them peace and comfort their grieving hearts we pray in Jesus name Amen